Hi there, I'm Andrew Karras, Chief Operating Officer at Anglo Invokers Vancouver, and this is On Top of the Market. Today on, on Top of the Market, we discussed exactly that, uh, being on top of the market, how to deal with the hot market that we're in, uh, how to represent a seller, how to represent a buyer, and we had the privilege of having Glenn Feldstein join us, who's a 16-year vet, and somebody who's worked closely with me for many, many years, and I just absolutely love his insight. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys this podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of On Top of the Market. Um, I'm really excited to have Glenn Feldstein here with me. Glenn is a 16-year vet in the real estate business, and today we are going to talk about exactly exactly what the name of the show is all about, which is how to stay on top of this market. Uh, one thing uh, I think we'll all agree on is that the market is super crazy right now. Uh, it's hot in almost all locations. Uh, Inventory is low. Uh, buyers are going crazy. Multiple offers everywhere. And really what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about how we can navigate this a little bit. So can we give hints to the people that are listening about if they were preparing for uh, selling their home or if they were planning on going out and buying a property? What are some things that we can do in the marketplace right now to give advantages? Uh, how we should approach it and uh, more importantly let's talk about you know what is hot and what is not in the Vancouver real estate market um, I was on a I was actually on a call just recently and uh, it was talking about the international market like everywhere and nobody that was on the call said it was slow which is kind of crazy if you think about it so it, the worldwide pandemic has sort of become a worldwide real estate uh, phenomenon in a lot of ways and uh, we're used to it in Vancouver I mean we're pretty used to a hot market true uh, 16 years I'm 18 years in the business so both of us have experienced a really good time in, in real estate in Vancouver but uh, it feels a little different right now it feels a little bit more chaotic um, and I think uh, it, this is a really excellent time for us to be able to sort of figure out uh, help the buyers and help the sellers uh, really adjust to what's happening out there so I, I you know the first thing is is Glenn, maybe you could kind of lead us in by telling us what are the, some of the hottest markets you're seeing in the in in Vancouver, Metro Vancouver, Fraser Valley right now, uh, and what are most people doing, and what's driving it? Like, let's find a little background here to start with. And thanks for joining us, by yeah, the way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. Uh -huh. um, I was look, looking forward to it all week. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I think what's driving it uh, is certainly the pandemic, right? I mean, everybody is is absolutely reevaluating their home life. Um, you know, there's People aren't going into the office as much or they weren't at all. So having a, a good space to work from home um, is obviously super important. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, with, with nobody traveling, all, all of those sort of things um, just made uh, people really, really reevaluate their homes. And pretty much most people are upsizing. Right. So um, as far as as far as the markets that are hot and and or not or I say hottest maybe is yeah, the <laughs> i mean yeah i mean you kind of just you know kind of like what you said like this is this is like what we're experiencing here is happening around the world right and mm -hmm. and i'm in contact with other realtors in you know in 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 the states and other parts of canada and and we're all telling the same story for the most part right mm -hmm. um so i think single family i mean never mind never mind location safer right now but i think the single family homes they are incredibly hot like very very high demand for those mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um townhouses you know would follow that and that sort of thing um you know the only uh i mean 
east side of Vancouver, incredibly, incredibly active. I've got clients looking in Langley in the Fraser Valley for a single family. Um, prices have jumped substantially in the last, you know, four months, say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's certainly, that's certainly incredibly active, super high demand there. Um, the only the only market um, that I am seeing that is kind of on the slow side is downtown Vancouver. And I mean right downtown Vancouver, not Kitsilano, not Mount Pleasant, not Fairview. I mean, those those areas and condos and um, two bedroom condos, they're still doing quite well. And there's still a lot of multiple offers happening there. Um, but downtown is, you know, um, been in the business since 2005. And this is the first time I would say that the downtown market is slow, but it's not going to keep continue on that way. Right. I mean, COVID comes, COVID comes and a lot of people went back home. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of renters downtown, international schools, and a lot of people went back home, uh, people that would live downtown because they could walk to their office. They or no they, longer had to do that. Or they worked in a restaurant or they had a job downtown that no longer is kind of there currently. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I think, you know, saying there's an exodus down, downtown is, uh, too strong of a word, but a lot of people left downtown to find more, to find more space, to find some dirt. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's downtown Vancouver. And as you mentioned in, uh, you know, in your intro there, um, you know, Vancouver always seems to just plow ahead. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so once, you know, once everybody's vaccinated, once the borders are, are back open, like it's go time, it's go time back downtown. Like it, the prices are going to come back up. Um, so now, you know, like I've tried to reach out to some investor clients and say, Hey, if you've ever thought about getting a piece of downtown, now would be a really good time to do that. You're going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to take it on the chin a little bit with the amount of rent that you might, we would get right now, but that will also change, right? And yeah. It's more important to buy lower, right? It will all, it will all level itself out. There's mm -hmm. no, no question about it, but really what we're, we're, we're focusing on today, like downtown, I couldn't agree with you more. It's a great opportunity for people and it will last. This is also the first time Vancouver's ever dealt with a local market. Uh, it is not driven by foreign buyers, which has always been the, the, the assumption is that the market and the price in Vancouver was high because of uh, international market that was coming or a foreign market. But right now it's driven by uh, local people trying to find the right home for themselves under the conditions that we're in in COVID, which is I have to work at home or my kids are driving me crazy and I need more space or I need a yard or whatever the case may be or, or location proximity to schools and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think detached, I'm looking at stats here uh, what's crazy when you look at the stats across the board and you're absolutely right Glenn because you mentioned that you know all markets are hot and in Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley just as a generalization uh, we're looking at like close to 70% increases in sales and then listings are up from last year too but last year if you remember last uh, February was actually a decent market like it was just picking up at the beginning mm -hmm. of 2020 so we're actually comparing numbers against a really decent market and listings aren't up that much but sales are way up and so so what you end up getting is this assumption, uh, like um, it's absorption rates, right? It's yeah. it's it's selling so quick, and we're not re replenishing the inventory, and people are getting panicked, and they're coming at it. So here's the question, and this is why people might listen to this podcast: is if I was selling my home, okay, I'm a seller, I've got a detached house on the east side, I'm sitting on gold, right? Yeah. And uh, but Glenn, you're coming to me, and you're, I'm saying I'm I'm thinking of selling, like it's a really good time, I got lots of equity in it, and you know what? I don't need to be as close to downtown anymore, so I'm looking at areas like. Langley how would you prepare a guy like me in that situation saying I need more space I can get more going out into the to the valley Langley works because my job no longer makes me have to be downtown uh, so I'm gonna sell my detached house in East Vancouver 
what do I need to do, Glenn? How do I maximize my profit there and get a, the best sort of, I guess, deal in Langley that I can? Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, you're going to, you're going to do well. You're going to, you're going to love selling your place here. It's going to be, uh, it, you're going to do very well on that end, but then you're going to be in a fight in Langley. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so one, I think, you know, definitely what I want to make sure with my clients is, you know, that, that there isn't really any surprises and they're prepared for what's about to come. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, from the standpoint of, you know, how we, you know, how I would get that property ready for the market and that sort of thing, never mind what the seller may have to do, obviously make recommendations on that. Um, and of course, if our strategy is to generate multiple offers, we're going to, we're going to choose a marketing price that we think makes sense. That's going to get the most eyes on the property of qualified buyers, people that we actually want through there. I'm still very, and I'm sure a lot of other realtors certainly are, certainly in this office, are still very conscious of the fact that we don't want to have the property overrun by people coming to see it, like th- that aren't qualified, right? Especially with COVID. That's that's the whole reason, That's what you right? mean, okay. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the whole reason, right? So, you know, because um, sometimes properties are listed really low and they sell for so much higher and there's probably maybe the list price was a little bit too low maybe there was something happened that was unexpected um and you know the the seller and the realtor didn't anticipate that but there was probably people that went to that property that um couldn't afford it mm-hmm. no you know after the sale price and that sort of thing um so assuming that's our that's our strategy and the house is prepared for market um typically what we like to do is you know list a property on the market on a monday or tuesday um have showings um, and we space the showings out, you know, depending on the size of the property, certainly 20 or 30 minutes because people are late, traffic, schedules, but we want to make sure everyone has enough time to walk through the property and not feel too, too rushed um, or create any kind of a, any kind of a log jam. And then we hold offers until the following week for a Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, you know, we want to give, we want to give people enough time to see the property, see it a second time if they need to. You know, it's kind of funny, you know, people will go and sit in a house for 15 minutes or 10 minutes and they'll commit to a $1.5, million purchase and they spend more time trying on a pair of jeans, mm-hmm. right? That's true. It's, you know, so we want to make sure that people have the time that they need so they can make the best decision for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. We want confident offers, right? So, so just to reiterate, some of the difficulties that we're coming across right now in the COVID times is A, getting the amount of people that want to come see it, getting them through in a controlled manner because we have to do it one by one. We're not doing open houses anymore. Uh, so we've got to, you got to make sure you're spacing your scheduling. Something that you said that's really interesting, and I, I understand what it means, but let's share with the, the listeners here is you said hold off on offers till Tuesday or Wednesday. How exactly do we hold off on offers? What does that mean? Yeah, so back in, back in the day, which wasn't that too long ago, but back in the day, um, we would just tell people we're, we're looking at offers on Tuesday. And what if I want it today, Glenn? Well, then you would write it and I would have to present it. And that became a very, that became a really a big issue and buyers were missing out. And it was, it was kind of unfair because everybody can't be everywhere at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. Just so happens. Some people are, can be quick to a property this time, but aren't the next time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, we now have, a form that we fill out and it's a direction seller's direction seller's to direction of presenting offers. presenting offers thank you <laughs> anyway, basically basically it's a document that our sellers our clients sign saying that when they will look at offers what date and what time and if they will allow the buyer's realtor to be present or not more often than not mm-hmm. it's or not right mm-hmm. Um, so then we have that document. So then we post that document. We've got, um, something that the general public obviously doesn't know, but our realtor MLS system, um, we've got realtor remarks in there where we can, 
we can post a couple notes that only realtors are going to be able to see. Mm -hmm. So we let the realtors know in those comments. And then we also have a document section where we upload this document um, too. So everyone's, so everyone's on the same page. So when I say we're holding off on offers, it means my client has signed a document stating when they will look at offers. Which, which helps organize the situation. And I, I mean, yes. in COVID times, I feel like it's almost a must, not even, not even because we're holding off for multiple offers, but just holding off to make sure we're exposing the property enough that we're getting the people through, that they're getting the information they want. And that's another big piece of the puzzle is, I, you know, I ask you what we can do to get sellers ready. Well, we can make sure we have all of the information that is needed for somebody to make a you know, informed mm -hmm. decision yeah. on the property so that when they're coming to write the offer, they fully know what they're looking at and they know yeah. what they're about to buy, yeah. right? Yeah. And so basically at the end of the day, uh, sellers got to get the house ready and then maybe go away for a week. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I guess that, we can't go I mean, away I mean, for a week right now. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, well, no, I mean that's that's the other thing too, right? I mean, um, you know, there's there's certain properties that come on the market and they're taking offers. The showings are hard, and they're taking offers like in a real short time frame. And you know, us realtors, we it's frustrating, but there's always a story behind that. You know, it's not, you know, like I, I I'm confident that the realtors here are advising their clients as such give people time but it's sometimes with schedules and mm -hmm. things that happen and if a seller's already committed to another purchase sometimes it doesn't allow for that so they have mm -hmm. to go so we have to just take a step back and relax and play the play the hand that we're dealt and do the best that we can given the time frame that we have right so as a as a listing realtor when we're selling because we're going to talk about what you do if you're on the buying side but it's really the key are Key things are uh, set a time for offers so that you can give the time for exposure of the property. Make sure people are coming in and getting access to the property with enough time to make a decision and in a, a safe, uh, scheduled way. Uh, making sure you have the property information and everything documented so that you're not missing any information. And then make sure if somebody wants to come in and do an inspection or something like that before we take offers that we have access to the house. Yeah. So really the key is it, it really good access to the information and very good access to the house in a controlled manner. And then when we're taking offers, we know everybody has the information that they need. Yeah, correct? exactly. And because, you know, with multiple offers, like it's become so common that people will write an unconditional offer with a bank draft. Obviously we'll touch on that in a second and how to do that. An, un an unconditional offer means an offer with zero subjects, no subject to financing, no inspection. It doesn't mean you haven't done your due diligence. It means you've just done that before you've made the offer, mm -hmm. hopefully. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. um, so yeah. And you know, it's, you know, another part of it too, depending on the house, I mean, it could be a good idea for a seller to get their own home inspection, right? Like these inspectors, even though, I mean, some people will still want to do their own, but if people don't have the time and you hire a reputable home inspector and there is enough that are recognizable names to realtors out there, um, and they've got, you know, they're third parties, they've got, they're insured, you know, their, their report isn't, um, doesn't cater to the seller's interest because it's their reputation line. So it's something to ponder. Um, I've come across that a couple times and considered doing that on a couple properties as well. And just timing hasn't really allowed and that sort of thing. But ultimately we're trying to have these unconditional offers with bank draft to be done on the day, right? Yeah, so the pre-inspection. I, I should say, I mean, pre-inspection is just a, a, for anybody who's listening, the warning behind a pre-inspection is that you have to be make sure that people understand that the liability is still theirs to do the research. You're basically of offering them some information, but it doesn't mean you're 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 warranting it. Uh, you Absolutely. know what I mean? Yeah. If you're buying it. So you do have to be a little careful. About and some inspectors might not 
want to do that because no. essentially, you know, they're doing one inspection and 10 people are getting the report and then all these random people are going to be calling them about an inspection they did. So it's, you know, it, it I think, really depends. So right? I, I actually have a theory on this, Glenn, and I don't think anybody's doing it, but if any inspectors are listening right now, they should listen to this. You hire them to come in and do an inspection on the property. They do not share the inspection with the seller. Okay, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of the inspection is for the buyers. And if the buyer wants to get an access to that inspector, they can pay them individually to come and do a review and a report of that house. So they don't yeah. have to come back in, but then they can still service, you know, six to eight people yeah. if they want to about the information. But the only problem with that, of course, is if you do, if they have a bad inspection and you don't know about it, it could be a deterrent to your house. But I still think there's another way that we could be doing this there, for yeah, there could inspectors be. I mean, I, to make I, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of this and what's happening out there right now, um, there's a lot of frustration yeah. and, you know, we've, you know, there's always multiple offers. Multiple offers are going to happen in any market for the right property, right? But right now, you know, like you were saying, um, it seems a little bit more amplified right now. It's very amplified and right now. Yeah. You know, the, we're always spitballing and thinking of ways like how can we make this a little bit easier a little less frustrating and that sort of and thing. get the so information i mean this is the thing is like the thing that drives me crazy about about uh this process sometimes is people come in and you know they're not doing the right due diligence and you know that the buyer is mm. going to be upset at the end of the day because they just don't have the information not the seller's doing anything wrong it's just that they don't know the inspection mm. numbers or they don't haven't got their appraisal yet or anything like that so i mean i wish there was a way that we could uh you know change the system a little bit so that everybody was getting the the information they needed prior to writing offers. I, I've said it. I think I said it on a podcast previously. But I think the key to our market right now, and and generally, is just to slow it down and to set provisions a little bit stricter, so that like maybe something should be on the market for seven days at least before you can take offers, regardless of a direction from sellers. Yeah. You know, just so that people have the opportunity to to, to research it. That's if it goes on the MLS. Yeah. I mean, you can always do exclusive listings yeah. if you need to sell it quickly, right? Yeah. No, I agree. I do think I do think that things do need to to slow a little bit um you know and realtors like we need to be we need to be confident in the plan that we put in place especially if the seller's in agreement with us right mm -hmm. so sometimes it's like because i know sometimes people get worried like oh like nobody called today like new listing like oh, i thought i'd have more calls oh and they start to kind of worry like did i miss the mark a little bit and then somebody's like, hey, we really want to make an offer. And they're like, oh, do I have to change everything? And then it's this panic that's in. Yeah, so yeah. Like, like you it's know, true. just, just tr do, our, do our best to be confident in the plan that, and strategy that we set. And that's what I mean. If you had a set date, like if you listed on a Tuesday, you can't take offers till Tuesday, then all of that other stuff can be put aside because you can't take an offer anyway. Yeah. So we're just going to find out on Tuesday. Yeah, you know, let's exactly. just make sure we're showing it and doing yeah. the best that we can. Yeah. In any case, uh, so sellers need to be very well prepared and ready for the market. Yeah. Uh, but they also need to get into the market if they plan on buying again. And there is only hot markets out there. And so this is probably more of the like conversation is that buyers are coming in and there's 14 offers on a property or something mm -hmm. silly like that. So I see it on now I'm a buyer. Uh, you sold my house in East Van way over asking, by the way. So great job. Well, and no, then it, it was the market, but but yeah. thank you. The portals are <laughs> <laughs> I think it was all you, Glenn. And then I and then I, now I'm out to Langley, and I'm going to look at my acreage. I, I've decided I'm going to get a farm out in Langley, Amazing. and uh, there's all these offers on this one property. So what can we do uh, for me as the buyer to help give me some advantages moving forward in the buyer's side of this market? Well, um, just like the way we, you know. The way we made your property available in East Van, so buyers could do all their due diligence and the information we provided, we're kind of we're we're going to be doing the same, right? So, we want to learn about as much about the property as we can prior to making the offer. Do home inspections, talk to the bank, um, make sure everything's everything's right where it should be. 
Um, and then, you know, the, the name of the game will be to, to present an unconditional offer with a bank draft. So if the seller accepts it and signs, it's a firm deal right then and there. There's no waiting till tomorrow for a deposit mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's, that's kind of number one. Um, other little, I don't know if you want to call them tips and tricks and things like that. I mean, I think having a buyer, a realtor representative buyer needs to have a good relationship with the listing realtor. Mm -hmm. And this can happen if they've only just met at this property. Right. Um, and how one does that, it's just up to them. Like I, I try and build some rapport, right. I try and have some conversations and I tell them, you know, what, what's going, you know, what my client's doing and who they are obviously with my client's permission, right guys, I'm I'm not going to say anything I shouldn't. Um, but I, I want to, I want my clients to be real people to the listing realtor and to the sellers Mm -hmm. right now. We can also, you know, you can write a letter and you know, a letter of who you are and why you want the property and that sort of stuff. Um, sometimes that can fall on deaf ears, but I try and do my best to find out if, you know, what would be important to the sellers apart from price, what would be important? Is there anything? And sometimes listing realtors just like, no, Glenn, all they care about is, is the money. Right. But, but there's always, there's always, you, you just have to separate yourself from other people. And if we have a, a letter that's not like an essay, but we have a couple of paragraphs on a family photo or something of that nature and nobody else does. And we're in the conversation from being right at the top. Mm-hmm. That letter could definitely put you over the edge. Yeah. Right? And sometimes they'll go with a lower offer if they believe that the buyer is right. You never know. Like some yeah. people believe in spirituality and, and things are meant to be. And so you never know what is going on. But I, I agree with you. So getting uh, a good relationship with the listing realtor and getting the information that they're allowed to give you, like, yeah. uh, you know, you're not asking for private information information or if they if you do they shouldn't give it to you if they can't and that you respect it Uh, but if they can tell you you know what their situation is when they need to complete when they uh, where are they going what's the purpose of the sale you know do they need a a rent back and the other thing I always used to say to buyers is like we always wanted to have all options open to us like so understanding what happens if I can't get it at the exact same time I sold my property like what would I do for that month what if I have to close on it a month quicker than my sale came through Uh, so have I arranged bridge financing with more mortgage brokers and stuff. And, and I think what we talk about with buyers is when you're going in there, the the relationship, not only with the other agent, but also the mortgage broker that's working with your client, Mm -hmm. making sure that they're on top of the deal and making sure they understand what you're buying and that they understand the financial situation so that they can be pre-approved and not just pre-approved, but, you know, very, very confident that they're not going to run into any financing issues. We got to remember the risk that buyers are taking when they take a jump into a no subject offer uh, doesn't have to be risky if we've done all the due diligence ahead of the time. So it's really about being really quick. And in stratas, of course, yep. you've got to read strata documents and stuff like that as well. Get them ahead of time. Read them ahead of time. Yeah. Make sure that you're doing this. It just creates, as a realtor, it's a, it's a lot of extra uh, sort of legwork on the buying side when you're going into these constant multiple offers, but yeah. part of the job. Yeah, it, it, and, and fortunately, and, and that's exactly it. Yeah, like there's, I've, I've, I don't know how many sets of strata documents <laughs> I've read that my clients didn't decide not even to make the offer. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I had to because I had to be ready, right? And I'm getting pretty good at, going through them quickly and, and picking out what I need to until they say, okay, green light, Glenn, let's go, let's make the offer. And then I'll, I'll dive back into maybe a couple other pieces. Um, but something, you know, something else for a buyer. Um, yeah. Do your best to do your best to give the seller what they want, uh, aside from price. So, you, you know, Andrew mentioned closing dates, right? So, um, you know, give them the dates that they want, even if they don't match up the dates on your end. And so for the sale of your East Van home, one thing that I'd be talking to the realtors, about who are say, let's just say in the conversation. So say we've got 
say we've weeded out, we've got everybody up to their max and there's a few people that are still in the fight, right? And everyone mm -hmm. else has dropped out. Um, a question that I'd be asking them is how flexible are you guys on the closing? My client hasn't found anything yet. We're looking for two or three months right now to give him that time. But in the event, he finds something sooner and he's got to cater to his seller's closing dates. Mm -hmm. How flexible are you guys? Oh, Glenn, we're, we're renting. No problem. Whatever you want, we can move him. Okay. We start to like that guy a little bit more mm -hmm. if we can get him to the price of where he needs to be essentially. Right. Yeah. So it's something else I ask. And of course, yeah, you know, get set up for bridge financing. Um, you know, always have a little backup plan. Like there's, um, short-term rentals, you know, if, if you did have to be out of your place, um, sooner than anticipated or you couldn't get into the new place as soon as you wanted mm -hmm. short-term rental there are tons of options out there for that and put your stuff in a pod and what have you and you know what like a month or two in the greater scheme of things yeah. is such a small blip and once you're in it's all going to be said and done and you're going to be as happy as can be right yeah so. i i always find that the the trick is is like preparing somebody for uh variances you yeah. know, like we, we don't know. And if they come back at you and you're in a multiple offer. So typically in a multiple offer situation, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I, I understand how it goes. But you submit an offer. They're going to review them. When there's 14 offers, there's obviously a lot of different things that are going on between all of those offers. So there's a good chance that if you've got a good offer with no subjects in a bank draft, you're in the running. Right. Right. Now, if your price is way too low, you'll most likely get a call from the other agent and say, listen, great offer, but you're, you know, money wise, you're not even close. Right. So you also have to have, make sure that your client is ready to, to know exactly where they're ready to stop. Right. Yeah. Where, where, what number are they willing to pay for this house? And they need to make those decisions quickly. So how do you strategize that? Like, how do you get into a moment with your buyer and kind of figure out like, what's the, what do you put forward when you think you're supposed to be putting the best foot forward already? And then you get yeah. asked for more. It's I mean, really difficult conversation for most people. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and nobody really hits, hits them. I mean, sometimes you hit the mark right away, but, um, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's a hard one. Well, well, it is because I mean, yeah, I mean, you, everyone says put your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. Right. But if, if you have, if you have a budget that exceeds where we think this property is going to end up. So we're going to do an evaluation of the property, think what makes sense, um, where we think the sale price is going to end up, right? Mm -hmm. But we're not, obviously not going to know for sure until it happens, right? So, you know, you kind of do that evaluation and then you make an offer based on that and depending on how many other people are making an offer, right? So you might, you might leave a little bit in the tank, mm -hmm. right? Which is a good idea. I mean, unless, like, unless your max is the number where we think, then just go all out and just and hope for the best, right? Mm -hmm. Um, if it makes sense, I mean, there's a whole other conversation about when not to <laughs> yeah. make an offer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think one of the, the key things that I, I remember, and I've, I've actually heard you, I think, uh, on one of your, um, market updates that you do, by the way, if you, anybody wants to follow Glenn on Instagram, he does great market updates, always has great insights. So, uh, make sure you follow Glenn. It's one of the reasons why uh, we wanted Glenn on the, on the podcast today is because you have a really good take on these things. Uh, but the, the, the asking price has no reflection on what you should be thinking about paying for the property. You should be doing your own evaluations on what that property is worth to you. Yeah, your circumstance is different than everybody else's. And the price was arbitrarily set by whom, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and that's kind of what, and that's kind of what I say, like, try, you know, try not to confuse the asking price for the actual value of the property. That's right. And that works both ways, guys. Like, you know, um, mm -hmm. somebody, something, maybe not in this market, but something could be drastically overpriced and it puts people off. But if you're kind of, 
you're kind of in tune with the market and you notice that, and you're like, oh, that seems high. And however you come across it, and you, know, you kind of do your own evaluation, you tell your client, like, hey, look, I think we can get this. We should be able to, based mm-hmm. on current market conditions and sales data, we should be able to get this for a couple hundred grand below the asking, depending on, obviously, the number of factors, right? So it mm-hmm. works both ways, right? Um, yeah, and then, you know, the other thing, um, I, you know, with my, if my clients have the budget, I have them leave a little bit in the tank, um, and this kind of goes back to before I submit the offer, I also do whatever, I keep to whatever schedule the listing realtor wants. Yeah, follow the I rules. I do not want to be a bee in their bonnet. Yeah, yeah, I want course. to be like, I want to follow every instruction. So they want offers at a certain time, that's fine. I don't, I mean, being the first person to submit is always a little bit nerve-wracking, but sometimes I'll, depending on the situation, I'll even have my clients submit a lower offer and I'll say, look, we've got more room here. We're submitting this because we're the first one. So you tell me when you get the other one and that sort of thing, right? Or just ensure you give me a call back. Yeah. Uh, like, cause I'm first, yeah. you know, and that's, that's one thing I've told people before too. Like, you know, wh- well, why would we, why, why are we writing the, you know, uh, an offer at full price right now when there's no other offers? Well, they're expecting more offers. So they're going to expect at least full price. Yeah. You're willing to pay full price because it's a good value and it suits you. So let's get in there and be yeah. their friend. And let's- keep in mind, we've already determined what we think the value is before making the offer. That's right. So, yeah. you know, even like people will, Will, will choose a marketing price that's very attractive, but we know after doing evaluation that, you know, like it, you know, uh, uh, properties listed for a million bucks, but there have mm-hmm. been some sales around a million fifty and even one one. Um, but this one listed at nine ninety nine because it wants to just be under that it, good marketing price. And so we know that that's going to be the range. Mm-hmm. So if we decide that, then, and we put an offer fourth, then it's okay. We've already done that evaluation. It goes back to, you know, not confusing the asking price for the actual value, right? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and I always do my I always do my best, especially, I mean, I think any realtor is going to call back anybody that has an unconditional offer of the bank draft, no matter what. Um, but regardless, I always, you know, it goes into trying to, to have a good relationship with the listing realtor to make sure we do get that call back because we all know how difficult it is to, pick that number mm-hmm. and we don't we know how many people are making the offer but we don't know where their 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 offers come in at some might even be below the asking oh yeah um so we don't really know so we just want to make a good offer that is definitely going to get people's attention that's in the range that we are comfortable with and that mm-hmm. makes sense both on the value to us being my clients and the value of that property in the market. Yeah. We need to make sure at the end of the day that your client, the buyer or me in this case, looking Mm -hmm. at my dream Langley home, isn't over committing to something. Mm -hmm. And I mean that by like making a bad financial decision or overpaying for something because I'm coming out of East Vancouver. And I think this is what's happening for a lot of people is that, you know, I did so well on my house in East Van that I don't give a Whatever I'm, I'm paying whatever they want for that no, house. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rein you back in on yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. Gonna rein okay you back good. In on good. That. Cause I need you, Glenn. <laughs> that's what, I, that's what I need. I need my buyer's agent to make sure that they're reining me in, uh, because I'm feeling really confident. Right. Yeah. Let's. Can I go back for a sec? Because I, I thought it was really interesting. You were talking about kind of like how to strategize what price to put when you're moving forward with a buyer, uh, but we we didn't talk about it with the seller in today's market. Can I just ask whatever I want because the market's so hot, or am I still better off? going with just what's maybe the last sale down in the block that was quite similar, kind of keep it in that price range? Or should I be, because it's hard to get people in and you need to get as much attention as possible, do I need to be pricing sharply just to ensure that I can get this done in, in a short order and get the price that I'm supposed to? Um, okay, let's say you're a housing needs man, right? Let's say, let's say uh, a few comparable properties sold in the 
one eight one nine two million range different levels of say maybe renovation or sounds good south, by the way yeah south yard <laughs> north, south backyard north backyard whatever yeah, yeah, right yeah, so yeah. some differences right yeah um and say all of those say all of those kind of listed around one seven and then they got one eight or one nine or they got two right so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna suggest list price of one seven and depending on how how good your house looks and how it compares to say those three um i'm going to suggest something maybe around one eight let's say it looks really good it's better than a couple south yard mm-hmm. and a pretty fresh renovation right so mm-hmm. i'm going to probably be you know around if we're aiming for two i'm going to probably be around you know one eight fifty or one eight or something like that like i i'll i'll, I'll i don't want to we we can try to generate what the last highest sale was mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean we should list right where they they listed we should because we should be we should we should also like that's why i say choosing a marketing price like we want to choose a marketing price to get the most eyes on it but yep. the most qualified eyes and we also don't want to piss anybody off mm-hmm. because there's the frustrations are, are there so it's like oh it's listed for one six like oh like people yeah, will yeah like, come on man flip you yeah. the bird yeah. um, on the computer screen right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so you don't want to piss off buyers who are wasting their time looking at something that is going to sell so much higher than what you've that. listed it's, anyway it's even if people have a two million dollar budget and they see that they're like oh come on this is gonna be a gong show yeah. Right? It's just setting it's setting a poor stage, right? So, you know, um, if you no, you can't ask any yes, you can ask anything you want. With me, no, you can't. It's gotta make sense, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'll give you options, right? You wanna you wanna you wanna list it two one and take two? If yeah. you wanna go that route, well yeah. let's talk about that. If you, you wanna list at one five, yeah. I'm like, well, let's talk about that. You wanna list in the middle somewhere and find that sweet spot, and that's usually where most people should always be in that sweet spot, right? Yeah. Then we'll talk about that. There's pros and cons to each one, and then ultimately you're gonna decide which route you think makes the most sense. Right? I, I used to always uh, say that it like if a seller, if I'm talking about a seller and you know they're thinking about listing in like a month, let's say, right? And so they'd say, Well, Andrew, what do you think the price is gonna be? I, I would always say it depends on the weekend. And the reason I would say that is because, uh, you know, sales are sales. That's always going to determine what the value of your property should be. Like if I was an appraiser, that's how I'm determining what the value of the home should be. You take the house that's sold and you kind of make your your changes to figure it out. But it really depends what's on the market that weekend. If nothing good comes out in that price range that weekend, you can be more aggressive with your pricing uh, because you're gonna you're gonna base yourself on the comparables that are active, mm-hmm. you know, to position yourself in the market. But you're gonna expect what the sales are yeah. as far as what you want your your end end result to be. Yeah. I just stumbled all over that, but no, hopefully, no, but, well, hopefully, I, I'm with you. Okay, good, <laughs> good. Um, uh, it's the same thing too, right? Like some people might achieve an incredible sale price, and it was just sort of a perfect storm of the buyers that were in the market at that time and what other listings were or were not available, right? Mm-hmm. And then your expectation is going to be around there. And I hope it's going to be around there and not at it or higher mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it depends because sometimes buyers leave the market and buyers do different things. So what happened to that house two weeks ago, right? It, it may not happen on yours, but we've got a great comparable property that will get us sort of in the ballpark. And I mean, let's be honest, Andrew, you've owned that property for a long time. You're going to do fine. Yeah, you're going to do fine. You're going to do fine. It's all compared and it's all like kind of moving forward to like, like you're going to do fine here, but you're going to pay a little bit more there, but you can kind of like accept that there might be a little bit of a mm-hmm. correction to the market and it's going to be okay because you did so well on the sale of your home. Like everything's a perspective, right? And, yeah, then, and, and that's the sort of thing. Now, if I was a, if I was a downsizer or something like that, you want to, you want to try to maximize everything that you can right. get out of your house so that you're, you know, for retirement and stuff. Everything's so personal when it comes to sales. And I think that goes back to uh, when you're representing a buyer or a seller, the first thing you should be asking is about them, not the house. 
Well, yeah. Does that make any weird sense? Like, you want to make sure that the seller, you understand their situation, their position, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish. And with the buyer, it's like, it's like, you know, how badly do you need it? Why do you need to be in this area? Is it the school catchment that you just have to be in? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you have a a greater sort of uh, motivation uh, than just the price, right? Yeah. Uh, And so, and so sometimes these things happen. So in this market, uh, we can, we know that both sides are kind of crazy right now. Uh, Like buying and selling is what I mean. You have to be very, very prepared. Um, We running into, uh, I I think I called it a chaotic market a little bit before. Um, The importance of having somebody to kind of like get you through the process and and be able to give you comfort in the fact that they've done this before and it's going to be okay. Mm But what are some things that you think we could do as realtors or as an industry uh, to try to make this go a little bit more? Like I use the word transparency a lot. Like I think that's the biggest complaint that buyers have is they feel like there's no transparency in the process. Um, But what are some things you think we could do to improve it? Like, I mean, if we're going to be in this chaotic market, how can we do it better? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Good question. Um, (laughs) That's it? Yeah. (laughs) You got me. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing, the well, not, I shouldn't say the biggest thing, but a major frustration with this is people are like, well, how, how do we know they really got those offers? How mm-hmm. do we know this is where we needed to be, mm-hmm. right? And we have to, I think we just have to lean on, um, you know, the, the listing realtor being ethical and not trying to, not trying to pull one over on anybody and that sort of thing, you know? And so, I mean, sometimes too, I mean, when, you know, when, when buyers are uncertain and when people are uncertain, that's when they tend to sort of freeze up. Mm-hmm. That's when they that's when their actions are not, you know, in align with their goals, perhaps, right? Yeah. They sort of freeze. So if there was some more transparency, um, I think people might feel a little bit more comfortable. What, I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, I've thought like having, um, you know, provide, like, we don't want any, we don't want to show anybody anybody's offer before or after. No, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, right? Before or after. I don't want people to see how I write my contracts um, because then I'll start losing if I'm up against them, right? (laughs) Do you uh, you know what they do in Ontario? No. No, they have a buyer's, they have an offer registry. Okay. So when you as a listing agent get the, your offer, you submit it and it goes into a registry and alerts everybody else that an offer is being submitted. So one offer's in. And then when you get the second offer, Boom! It goes in and it just alerts yeah, everybody well, that you're good. Something like I that. Think it, I mean, I think I know, that'd be great. Um, you know, there's people that are gonna be like, "Well, how do I know that that's real?" Um, and at some point, you're gonna have to trust the system, right? Um, mm-hmm. That that's interesting. I think that would be good. I mean, I think another thing, you know, in the states, have you heard of an escalation clause? Yeah, but that, uh, they uh, that's when like you you would uh, say, "I'll pay X amount over." Yeah, I'll pay one thousand dollars more than the 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 next highest offer up to, and then I cap myself, right? So I'll listed for nine hundred grand. I'll pay 1000 over the next highest offer, up to $1 million. So basically, the listing realtors just look and find everybody's cap and then just take the yeah. from there, right? That's an interesting one, too. Um, but I don't, for some reason, people don't use it here. I don't no, it's a, it, there's a legality or, behind that that says that if you don't have a price associated with the offer, then it's not real, essentially, is well, the best a, way of putting well, it. it's a clause, so they'd still go in it. Like, yeah, it's a, I, I, I do know that this is a conversation that people have had here. I know yeah. people have tried it. I've seen it, and I've also received a lot of phone calls from people that have said that they're trying to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could verbally say to... So I, I can remember going into a situation and saying, um, you know, this is our offer, uh, but if you want to counter me, at five thousand dollars over whatever the highest offer is, right. I'll give you an answer in five minutes. Right. 
you know, and I'm sitting with my client right now in the car. Yeah. And that's easy because then you're getting a formal counter. It's got an expiry of call it five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever yeah. it is. So they're not binding themselves to us uh, or sorry, they are, but for a very limited amount of time because mm -hmm. you can't counter more than one offer, right? That's yeah. not allowed, but it gives them the opportunity to try us on for size. And then they come back and they say, well, here's the number that you need to do. And I look at my client, I'm like, you want to do that? And they're like, no. And I'm like, hey, nope, we're out. You know, no problem, right. nothing lost, nothing no. gained, right? Um, and then, or, but vice versa, if they come around and they say yes, then you get it signed and get the heck in there and you you, you yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, that's it. I just sort of gave you a reference of when, you know, and making myself sound dated or whatever, but, you know, sitting outside in the car with I my clients. Yeah. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Why am I there? What What is the process now? Is everybody just emailing everything or do you do anything? Like, do you try to be in person? Do you try to do it over Zoom? Like, how do you make a personal sort of plea to the seller? Because we used to like presenting offers was one of my jams. That was something I was really good at. Yeah, I could see you, you know? that actually. Yeah, I loved um, coming in and talking to people and seeing what was the motivation for selling the house and trying to see if we could sort of find a way or not to find a connection between the yeah. buyer and the seller. You I know? mean, I think obviously with COVID, right, nobody wants, you know, the, the less the less interaction, the better, right? Um, in the past, like for as long as I've been a realtor, um, we would ask if we can present. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, we'd get a no. The seller doesn't want you to present, right? But sometimes you would, right? You know you so, have to let them present unless they have it in written authority that they don't want you to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but maybe <laughs> did, did they back then? I mean, who knows? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. rule. Anyways. It still is a rule. Um, <laughs> anyways, I, of course, I don't want to. I don't want to force myself at a, at a kitchen no, table no, with God a seller no. who doesn't want me. There no, God no. Definitely, <laughs> you know I mean? don't do so, you definitely don't want to do that. If they tell you not to, you should yeah. just say, okay, no yeah, problem no at problem, all. No problem. I was actually thinking from a listing side though, like it, like as the listing realtor, it adds a little bit of personality to what's going on. And you, you know, we were talking about, uh, we were just talking about, you know, we got way off topic here in some ways, but the the registration of offers, right? Like right. Pro providing that there was one there. Yeah. And if you did it all over Zoom and you let people into the meeting and you let the them present to your client, they get to meet your client, see you, and then you're talking and it puts like a face to everything. Yeah. And it shows that you're being transparent. You're not saying anything. You're yeah. not like, you're just letting them have an opportunity. I think actually somebody, people should start trying to you know do what, that. You know, that's not bad because you can, you can set up a waiting room too. And yeah, people in when you want, that's right. People out when you want and that sort of thing. And I then mean, you can get a not, hold of them if you need them too, not, right? You could um, do it through the Zoom. Hey, no, I need to talk not, to you. It's not bad. If somebody really wanted to present, I, I'd have no problem doing that. Um, but yeah, everything's done through email and, and DocuSign, AuthentiSign, just uh, an e-signature type thing, right? Which is totally legal. Um, and that's basically the way everything's done. I mean, for me, um, with multiple offers, uh, pre pandemic, I bring my clients into the office and I would have all the offers. And by then I would have spoken to the realtors and let anybody know if they were, didn't change anything, they would likely not be uh, in the conversation any longer. So hopefully I'm presenting my clients, everyone's best. Um, but mm -hmm. there's usually a couple of people that might be very, very similar. So mm -hmm. I put it up on the, on the, on the whiteboard here and get it up in visual mm -hmm. price, closing dates, deposits, all that sort of stuff, conditions or not, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then during the pandemic, um, I've essentially done the same thing. Sometimes snapped a photo of it, but at least put it up there as a visual for me. And Track then just it. And then just walk them. And then just walk them through it. And then yeah. I cross. And when people change their price, I cross it out and I put it up there, right? Because mm -hmm. even, even you know, sending all this stuff to a client and having looked through all these different files that are open, even if there's just four offers, it's just you know, it's a little bit annoying. And for me to have it on the on a, on a desk out in front of me is one thing, but I just kind of like the visual up there personally. And I find some clients do as well, right? But yeah, it's all electronic. 
phone calls and things like that. I mean, obviously now I'd be fine if uh, if a client wanted to come in, and obviously we'd be you know all wearing a mask in the office. But most clients are like, well, I can just do it from home. You just yeah. call me. I'm like, absolutely. Whatever you I want. I find I find that the more professional we can sort of gravitate our our uh, profession towards. So like coming up with systems and st specific ways we do it. So I like I absolutely love the idea. Like forget COVID. We're just going to talk about just how we would do it. Sitting in a boardroom at the office at the night with the whiteboard writing up the offers on the thing, having it visual, you know, bring in some dinner, talk about it, you know, have good conversation, no distractions. And then if we have a really, a really great process. So we're making sure that all of the realtors that are out there that are bidding us offers are being communicated with in a specific way. You have to update them. You have to make sure they have the right information, email templates full of all the information that they want so that things are filled in and signed perfectly everywhere. If we can elevate the professional sort of side of how we do that sort of end of the business, mm -hmm. then I think that the public and the consumer is going to feel better about what they've just done because it is effing scary to be out there in a 15 multiple offer bid without knowing or thinking that you're being treated fairly. And so if the other party or those, much like why I always like presenting in person, much like why I think doing it over Zoom now would be really good, is it just allows the buyers to see the professionalism of the person that's taking control of the situation so that they feel comfortable with what happened at the end. If they didn't get it, Cool. They understand. They feel like they've been treated well. But when they do get it, our biggest problem we're dealing with right now is buyer's remorse. Right. People freak out the next day. Yeah. And then a month later, what's happening in a hot market is seller's remorse. They haven't completed it yet. And it's a month later and they think, my God, my house is worth more money than a month yeah. ago when I sold I know, it. Especially if they're out there losing on places. That's and right. No, and they're off. really pissed it's off because they thought they had an 800 I thought I was going to buy that farm for $800,000 in Langley. And it's actually now $1.2 million. And I only got... I only got two million for my house, even though I thought I was only going to get one point eight. But now I'm really pissed off that yeah. I only got two million for my house, even though that's like yeah. the highest price that's, in the area ever. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, kind of, that's kind of another part of it, right? Like you know, when we're when we're before you even list your praise, your place, we're obviously talking to your mortgage broker, and we're and we're, we're not. I'm not going to say not guessing, but we're. We're picking. Likely, you should. You sh your house should sell around this much. Mm -hmm. So then, what can you afford? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, if you sell for this much, then you can go spend this much. Okay, well, what's on the market right now in that range? Do I even like it? Am I even going to do this right? Mm -hmm. And assuming you do, then you know it's all it's all systems it's all systems go. And then it's sort of you know like along the lines when you're buying and as prices are going up, and you're talking about you know being comfortable, like you kind of need to be uncomfortable as a buyer. You kind of need to feel like, Jesus, mm -hmm. okay. Because the, the thing of it is, is so you don't get priced out, and that's a whole other conversation, right? But so you don't get priced out, you need to, you need to be a little bit uncomfortable and know that if you, if you don't get it, then that's the new comparable for the that's next right. seller, yeah. right? So you know, it might take you a couple times to say, okay, now I sort of see, right? And of course, you know, I'm gonna be advising as I see fit and what you do with that information is up to you, right? But mm -hmm. we're gonna have a very, you know, good conversation about it. And that's why I think um, it's kind of like, okay, well, what's this? This is what we think it's gonna sell for. What's it worth to you? Is it that or is it less? And where are we really willing to go? So there's a bunch of different numbers that we're gonna talk about. And if it means, if you're already at that most you want to that you want to spend, but you do have more money to spend and you can, 
and there's somebody else right there with you, well, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to walk and for how much money, right? I mean, obviously everyone has their breaking point, mm-hmm. but you also need to understand that if you don't do it on this one, then the next one might, might suffer be a worse. bit more yeah. if, it's, if it's apples to apples, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I also find that like with buyers is that, uh, you know, it's so hard. You feel like you have to offer on the next house. Like if it's half decent and <laughs> and you're like, well, I better, I better, right? And a lot of the time I, again, dating myself, standing outside the house and, and, and uh, you know, seeing people that were writing the offers or sitting in the cars and you recognize the same people. You're like, oh my God. And then one of them uh, suddenly isn't there the next week. And you're like, oh my gosh, did they get the last house, yeah. you know? Son of a, uh, son of a, and, and it, you know, kind of going back to uh, what we what we sort of started on talking about is you know the transparency and trying to make things simple. I mean, I've always said too. I mean, like you know, if if this was like an auction, an actual auction, right? Mm-hmm. Then I mean, sellers aren't gonna like it because. I mean, the most money a seller is gonna get is when people don't know where anybody else. That's is. right. But yeah. sometimes when you are clumped up then you know everyone's in the same range. So you're going to be like, you know, a couple grand or a few grand more to get it and that sort of thing. But it's kind of when, it's kind of sometimes when you submit the offer and then you, there's four offers and you get that call back. Like, hey, Glenn, we're going to accept yours. Yeah, you're <laughs> right? like, Which doesn't really happen. Like normally, because I, you know, my clients sometimes, like maybe rare, like rarely, but, you know, I get my clients to leave some in the tank so they can come up. You're giving away your secrets here, Glenn. That's okay. No, okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give everything, right? Because most people have their own way. And, yeah, know, I, and that's r- right, really, right? it doesn't make a difference. Um, but that's kind of why I want to leave a little bit in the tank because you don't, you don't want to, you know, air quote, over overpay even though you are going to over, yeah. like not, you know, that's a bad way to put it, but you know what I mean, right? So the, the point is, is that you want to try to, sometimes people feel like they won when they didn't have to come back yeah. and give that little so, bit of extra and then yes. they feel really good about it. Yeah. So an auction, eventually there's only one paddle left up and so, it's just a little bit more. So yeah, sellers, I know you don't like that, but buyers would feel so much more comfortable knowing that they are only like a grand or two, like over the next person, right? Not to say that like, I mean, it would just make things like just just because we went down this path of how to make things a little bit more transparent and make buyers feel more comfortable. One of the biggest discomforts with my clients is not knowing really where they stand Mm -hmm. other than what the other realtor is saying, which I always trust what the other realtor is saying. The only time... The only time I go back at a, at a listing realtor is said, hey, Glenn, is this your best price? Yeah. And I was like, are you countering us? Well, no, just, is this your best price? Are we the, are we, is there somebody higher than us? Well, no, but it's okay. Well, let me know when somebody's higher. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I'm not gonna, Don't counter me. I'm not going to negotiate against yeah. myself, right? Like, yeah. I might have my clients well, I, do that, right? But, I used to always say when representing sellers in a multiple offer situation is you, you, you usually have one offer that stands out. And if it's the best offer and it's got the best price and it's got no subjects in a deposit tra- well, good for them, right? Yeah, but you, then you, you got to go back yeah. to the other people and just make sure that they don't have anything right. left in the tank right. because that's your duty to the seller right. is to make sure that you're getting as much money for the properties yeah. you can, but you got to trust the process. you got to allow the process to flow. Yeah. So you leave that first offer alone and you see if anybody else is going to come any further and give them all an opportunity. And then if one of them trumps it, well, then you get make sure you let that person yeah, have a chance. Exactly but if nobody right. trumps it, then you shouldn't be going back at them. Yeah, you no, know, you know that. Exactly, but you got to have these conversations with the seller. Like the seller yeah. needs to know your process. They need to know what you're doing and how you're going to do it. And they need to feel good about how you're communicating with the other people. I think the number one thing that you've said during this whole podcast here is that you know relationships with the other realtor are really important. Because you need to trust them. They need to trust you. You need to do a job together. You need to get information to one another. And in order for your client to feel comfortable, uh, they got to know that you're comfortable with the person you're dealing with, right? Yeah. I've, been, I've, been, I've been a fair bit off 
of asking prices before and mm-hmm. gotten the courtesy from the realtor because of the relationship. We mm-hmm. ended up like chatting about her dog like <laughs> once before, like the day of the offer. And I don't know how we got on there, but we did, right? Because we were just chatting, we we're just friendly. And it just so happened it was one other offer in us. And she's like, hey, Glenn, just a courtesy, like you guys got to come up a fair bit. And my clients, uh, they were they were trying to renovate and flip. So, of course, it's a numbers thing. Yeah, it's not economics. There, right? But it was still a great property. So we kind of missed the mark and kind of hope that people, you know, um, were around us, but not that much over. And and she literally said to me, she's like, man, she's like, this other realtor is driving me nuts. He's constantly asking me questions, <laughs> constantly asking me questions about stuff in the strata documents that the answers are in the strata documents. So clearly they haven't read this stuff. It's driving me nuts. Like, I need your clients up. Like, and that person I, could be a potential yeah. liability after they get it. Well, if they get it and they don't yeah. know what they bought, then they're going to come back yeah. at you and tell you that you didn't tell them something or they yeah. didn't have that information and stuff. So, you know, being good at what you do is a huge value to a buyer or seller. I mean, that's Absolutely. one thing. I, I mean, I, I guess that goes without saying we're a real estate company. We're going to say that. Uh, but really, the professionalism of the person that's representing you is a reflection on you. And they could end up making you or saving you a lot of money yeah. in the long term, even though you're paying way over asking or whatever the case may well, that's, be. I mean, ultimately, that's that's how I believe we earn our keep. We, we get paid a commission to produce a result, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's not, um, we don't get paid to show properties. We don't get paid to anything, anything like that, right? It's strategizing. It's preparing the right offer. It's research, it's having relationships and creating new relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's who we surround ourselves with office, you know, case in point, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the real estate minds in here, like I'm constantly amazed. Like, so since 2005, I've been a realtor. I'm constantly amazed that how often, and maybe it's not that often, but how often I find myself in a situation that I haven't been in before. Oh yeah. I've got to ask somebody. It's bizarre. Like you think like, you think you've like, okay, I've seen it all. And mm-hmm. then something it's like, okay, oh my gosh, Andrew, hey, let me yeah. run this by you. Yeah. But somebody else so, has dealt with it. I know. Exactly. I had, I had a, I had a call today. I had a call today. No idea. I'm like, I've never come across this before. And of course, yeah. I'm the managing broker. I'm supposed to know that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, we got to figure this one out. You know? So yeah, anyway, so it's bizarre. And that's, you know, that's how I believe we, we earn our keep, right? And you know, for the, all those young realtors out there, hit your wagon as somebody who's been doing it for a while. Um, because I do think that people, uh, that customers or clients can trust a young realtor if they've hitched their wagon as somebody who has great experience. So they know they're well taken care of, right? Well because supported. Just, yeah, yeah, well supported because I tell you what, like if I'm still if I'm still coming across stuff, I need to ask the questions and you know, thankfully I've got the relationships that I can do that. I'm at the office where I can do that. Um, you know, then you know, I think that's that's a new a new realtor that joined us recently in one of my uh, training seminars. He looked at me and goes, "Well, Andrew, I just don't know what I don't know." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. right. Yeah, yeah, you're right." And so I need yeah, to teach him close. what he needs to know <laughs> yeah. so that he can go and figure it out, right? But if he doesn't know, then what, what can you expect? So you need to have people that are supported by good people. Yeah. Did you know? And I'm going to tell. Uh, see, this is interesting. Uh, when I started in the business a long time ago, uh, I was uh, working for another company, and they actually tried auctions. And so I was at an actual auction in Vancouver. This was right when the market was starting to get hot back in the day. And I'll tell you what happened. And I thought it was fascinating. And so we all got ended up in a room. And we had I had a client that was interested in the property. So me and the client went. You had to pre-register. You got to look at an inspection. Uh, they did some other due diligence. You had to be ready to go. You get your paddle. You go into a room. And then they started the bidding. And everybody sat there with their hands down. And so, so they had to go lower, and everybody had their hands down. 
And so the auctioneer is like, do you guys understand the process here? Somebody has to make an opening bid. And so he's trying to do his whole thing. And finally, one person puts their hand up. Like (laughs) it was way under market value is where it started. But that's okay because then it starts going up, right? And so it went, I think, back and forth three times. It was just two people. Everybody else was kind of like looking at each other like, what are we going to do? And they they had to stop the auction, didn't sell the property, and canceled the whole event. Ah. And it was so maybe I, that won't work. I it, well, it was just because people didn't know what they were up to. Like yeah. I, it was, it was like so awkward. And it could work. It really could work. It's just that it was so. Uh, it was brand new. It was. It, they did a good job. Like I, the yeah. company, it wasn't their fault. It wasn't the listing's yeah. fault. Everybody did what they were supposed to yeah. do. But when the buyers got in there and the realtors got in there, everybody just yeah. clammed up and nobody did anything. And it was really. Yeah. I felt really embarrassed for the poor auctioneer who I knew quite well. And uh, it, like I said, I had no reflection on what he did. He no. did a great job. But anyway. Well, other than that, I mean. I mean, I think, uh, I think the only thing that might make people feel more comfortable about the process and how, how things are dealt with is maybe a little bit more time. Um, you know, people, realtors, just continuing to try and strive to, to be that professional mm-hmm. and kind of change our perception in the general public, you know, because, yep. you know, it's, our profession is not held in the highest regard by most. And I think, you know, we deserve what we get in that regard. And there's always going to be some bad apples and that sort of thing. But yeah. I think if, if, if everything is conducted in, in a manner that's of the utmost professionalism, then the, the public will see that or they'll be experiencing it. I mean, obviously, they have to be in the market, but they'll see that and their comfort, uh, they'll, they'll be more comfortable then, right? So, so real estate agents and, and companies are quite similar to uh, a market that's kind of frantic. There's just, there's too many people going after the same thing all the time. And right. so they, they, the realtors, the competition is too tight because there's so many, right? And so they're always going after the same thing. And so they start doing whatever they have to do. And so that includes answering their phone at 1130 at night. And if they start doing business at 1130 at night and start calling other people at 1130 at night, then they've set a new precedent for everybody else. And what we've done in an, as an industry is we've set a precedent where we're available all the time every day. Now, I get we need to be available outside of business hours because people function outside business hours to see properties. Because clients are available. Yeah, 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 of course, right? But when it comes to actually doing the, the job of the offer, I don't understand why we would do any of those on the weekend. I have no idea why things shouldn't be open for 24 hours at all times so that we can get the answers that we need to get. If you need to get a legal question done, like I get calls all the time at night and they say, Andrew, I, somebody's crossed this out or somebody's done this or they've inserted this thing. Can you read it for me and tell me it's okay? And I'm like, well, no, I can't because yeah. they just wrote it on the back of the con. Like, they, there's no legal whatever. We need to talk to a lawyer. Well, no, I need to know because it expires at midnight. And you're like, well, I don't know what yeah. to tell you right now. We need a lawyer to review this because it's very important, big information. So we need to slow down. We need to be less frantic about when things need to get done. And if we started doing, let's call business parts of our business during business hours, that might really help. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, you know, and uh, of course, that's not a perfect solution. And I I get a lot of pushback when I say stuff like this sometimes from some people, because the advantage that you might get, Glenn, is that you're the the ultimate realtor who's available now and then and you'll do anything at any time. And that's why people call on you. But I can tell you, I I tried to be that guy, too. And it just wears you out and it puts you at risk. And, no. you know, and there's a lot of things that go yeah. down. So, well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, realtors, they got to, they sort of got to have an off switch at some point. Right. And I mean, my thing Which is, needs to slow down. Yeah. I mean, that's thing, all I think. Yeah, I mean, my thing obviously offers like it's go time. Um, I don't care what time it is. Like I'll, I'll do what I have to kind of thing. Yep. But anything beyond that, you know, after it gets to a certain, certain hour of hour of the day, mm-hmm. if it's nothing urgent, then, and you know, it's, I think it's, I think it's, you know, like 
uh, expectations, right? My clients, right? Whether they're prepping their house for the market or whether they're going to go buy a place and compete in a multiple offer or whether it's how I work, right? I just make sure they know, like, hey, guys, like, this is this is how I operate, right? So yep. if it's an offer, then it's, it's go time and I, I'm going to be there. And um, if you shoot me a message at 930 at night um, and it's just a random question, um, I'll get back if I'm to not doing anything, I, I, I'll probably respond. But if I am, just don't, don't worry about it. I mean, if it's urgent, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. you know, I might notice it, but I might, might be, you know, relaxing, watching yep. a game or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I uh, anyway, so I think we, I took us off track there a little bit, didn't I? Um, really, at the end of the day, uh, we are in a hot market. I think what we've decided is we've we figured out that it, buyers and sellers both need to be extraordinarily prepared uh, for for the marketplace that we're in right now. Prepared. Extraordinarily prepared. Uh, don't uh, the answer isn't not to do due diligence; it's to do due diligence yeah, early. I think that's just to cut you off there for a second. Yeah, I please. Think that's one thing that that I get from people is, and I had this conversation with a client yesterday and I was and I'd worked with him before um, he doesn't like to compete shocking who does right but he's always done deals when he hasn't had to compete so he just waits for that market he's, he's, anyway so we were chatting and same thing it's sorry this was a realtor or a client client okay right um, and uh, anyways we're chatting so inspection comes up and I'm like yeah well we, you know this is the way it goes we gotta do before because he's got something to sell in order for him to buy and all that sort of stuff and he's like what he's like no inspection I'm like no no so here's the misconception is that I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I'll speak for my clients, right? Um, they do their due diligence. So your due diligence is you you make a subject offer and it's accepted and you've got, you know, five business days for financing, home inspection, and whatever else you need to do depending on the property, right? So the name of the game is tie up the property. Agree on a price and if all these things, these subjects, like if I get financing, subjects are like ifs. If I get financing, I'll buy the property. If the inspection comes back good, I'll buy the property and that sort of thing. So that's sort of the way it goes. You've done your due diligence. But in a market that we're in now and in a competing situation you do all of that before you make the offer so do the inspection before you know for sure it's 400 to 500 dollars and if you don't get it it's just going to be a cost of what the properties are a cost of doing business mm-hmm. right so cost that's of doing business that's, that's exactly this conception is yeah and preparing you're, you're people though people are still prepared yeah people are still learning what they need to before they make the offer yeah i always i used to tell people you're only competing against yourself I mean, at the end of the day, you write terms that are appropriate for you and prepare right. yourself. The The struggle is is exactly what you talked about, is the idea that I have to pay $450 uh, five times over for inspections, which in the grand scheme of things is nothing, but it feels like a lot at yeah, the annoying. time. It's annoying. It's annoying. It adds to the frustration. You know, and some inspectors will, you know, Hopefully, if you're working with the same guy, they'll they'll oh, yeah. they'll give you a little my cut because they feel bad. My yeah, inspe- my inspectors give my clients punch cards. Yeah, it's they're great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a good one. We should actually get that. Yeah, your tenth is on me. Yeah, your tenth is on yeah, me. Yeah, have a new realtor by then. Uh, any last uh, sort of thoughts for somebody coming in into this market as a buyer or a seller or, um, you know, a realtor, I guess, um, out there that's struggling in this marketplace well, too? Well, yeah, I mean, as a buyer or a seller, um, yeah, just be just be prepared, like you said, um, you, you know, like about slowing things down, right? So, you know, there's going to be a time where there's going to be a time where uh, you're going to pump the brakes and there's going to be a time where you're gonna, your foot's going to be on the gas and when it's ready to make an offer, that's when things really speed up. So mm-hmm. you need to take the time beforehand to be absolutely 100% ready, mm-hmm. um, both when buying and selling, right? So that's that. Um, to, yeah, r- young realtor that's struggling out there, um, if your offers aren't getting accepted, um, you got you to gotta dissect it. You got you to gotta say why. Um, talk, to the, uh, talk to the heavy hitters in your office. I know whatever office you're in has a heavy hitter or a bunch of them, and I know one of them will talk to you. Yeah, they yeah, will. they should. So that's what—that's my advice to somebody young. Don't try and figure it out on your own because it's—it's 
You're not, you're not providing the best service to your client if you're you trying to figure learn. it out on your own. I'm still asking people 15, 16 years into this. Um, so, you know, provide a high level of service to your clients and do what you have to to yeah. do that ethically. That's awesome, Glenn. Thank you so much. It's My a pleasure. hot market. Uh, good luck out there. Thank you. Uh, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, got, I, got, I got Brittany too. So uh, yeah. Oh, you could, know what? Let's we it, we, we got to yeah. give a shout out to Brittany. Brittany uh, Brittany White, who's Glenn's business partner, uh, was supposed to be on with us today, mm, and schedules. poor things, kids right. got a little sick and didn't couldn't get in and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So uh, we miss her because she was the real. She was going to be our magic sauce as far as uh, how keeping this really interesting. So hopefully people yeah, enjoyed it. She laugh at all her jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and she's and she she crushes it out there. Yeah, her, Brittany's her, brilliant. Her level yeah. of service to her clients is, is phenomenal. She, she also her insight. I mean, I, I was kind of like I genuinely would like to hear what Brittany has to say. Yeah. So we're just gonna have oh, to have week. her on next week, next or week. you guys are gonna have to do another podcast or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Glenn, for joining us. Really do appreciate it. Um, be careful out there. Yeah. Thank you. Buy buy and sell. Do a really good job. Really appreciate you coming on. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for watching today's episode. For more video content, please like, comment, and subscribe below. We'll see you later.